I'm Ryan Nidell, host of 15 Minutes to Freedom, your daily action guide on how to get shit done. If you wouldn't mind doing me a favor and hopping on wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave me a five-star and written review. I'm serious. Right now, press pause and go do it. When you do that, more people get to see my message and then ultimately consume it and listen to it. As I'm going down the path of trying to impact a million people's lives, your review actually matters. Speaking of that, today's episode is entitled, Are You an Anchor or an Engine? In today's episode, I'm going to share with you why it's so impactful to really make a determination on what you want to be in life. Are you going to propel people forwards or are you going to hold them in their current place? So I sit down and take real stock of my life. It's not comfortable. Like it, admittedly, it sucks. It sucks to share with you the stories of the lying and the cheating and the infidelity and the failed businesses and all the stuff that I've shared. Again, if you're a first-time listener, I've got a bunch of content out there now about all the dumb decisions I've made. And there has been more than 100 because I'm on episode one-something, and every one of them had a, a dumbass thing that I did. But what's crazy is that's not really what's so hard about looking backwards for me. Like those things that I did were lack of judgment, lack of character, lack of integrity. Some of them were malicious in intent, but I could have justified away and can now at least rationalize why I did what I did. Doesn't make it right. Certainly doesn't make it okay. By no means am I trying to explain it away. But what happened, happened. I can't go back and change it. I can just make sure that I'm never living that way again going forward. When I take myself back to being in the car industry to start with, you know, my first real job out of college. I work for what I'll call a financial advising firm, but that's only because of a fragile ego that I had. I work for Western Southern Financial Services, essentially selling life and health insurance. I was going down the path of getting my series six or series seven or whatever the series, you know, that would allow me to trade would be, but I didn't like what I did. And I thought the magic answer, it was just a way to make money. So I came down and interviewed with Ameriprise Financial in Columbus. At that point I was living in Mansfield. I did well on the written part of the Ameriprise test to be considered to be a financial advisor but apparently I bombed the in-person interview. So they didn't even want me. Those are the things that eventually pushed me into the car business. Because I had convinced myself the financial services industry was the way to go. A lot of people I knew that were really wealthy were in financial service and management, so why wouldn't I want to do that too? But at that point, a woman that I was dating, her cousin, was working at a local car dealership in Mansfield. He too had went down the life and health insurance path at some capacity, got out of that and had really started to enjoy selling cars. Now, I know if you're like me, I thought that selling cars was like the lowest of the low jobs. Like if you can't find something to do, if you don't know what to sell, you go sell cars. Like I, I had mentally thought that selling cars was worse than selling cell phones or women's shoes. And not that there has to be a better or worse, but that was the story that I had told myself about what it was to work inside the automotive industry. 
And so here I show up to this dealership and I'm talking to this at what I'll call young man. He's only a year or two younger than I was or am now. But he's explaining to me how much he enjoys this industry and he's telling me how he gets paid and the compensation and how he could put in a good word and get me hired. Okay. So he does that coupled with the fact of me calling on the dealership for financial services. One thing leads to another. I'm in an interview and I'm offered a job. Now, in that job and in that environment, I excelled. I've shared that with you. I was really good and am still really good at selling. The road to the sale, overcoming objections, things like that, that, those have always come natural to me. I feel like I've always been able to, again, manipulate or maneuver my way through situations that put me in power and allows me to gain control. And I think a lot of what sales ends up becoming is a methodology of holding your frame and maintaining control over a conversation. When I can present opportunities and things to a customer to have them see the world in my way, it makes it very easy for them to say yes at the end of the day. So I was good. I had great mentors. A guy named Jeremy that was in finance that taught me everything about how to structure deals and, and pencil deals and close deals. A guy named Tim that was a sales manager. A guy named Dave that was a sales manager. I can go on and on about the mentors that I've had, which I've also shared before. What I haven't so openly shared is being the fucking anchor in that dealership. Now I say anchor, I was the top salesperson. Like it's factual. It's not chest pounding. Like it, it was just good. So I was able to move my way up into management very quickly. That coupled with the fact of making sure that the people that were above me in the pecking order knew that I was the best and that nobody else around me was anywhere close to me. So what I ultimately mean by that is I would make sure that I was doing everything I could to make other salespeople's lives incredibly difficult. Like, just as difficult as I could. It might sound foolish to you, but doing little things like hiding their dealer plate. Like in a car dealership, we all have a plate that is typically magnetized that we would stick underneath our desk. So when a customer wanted to come on a test drive, we would take the plate off the bottom of our desk, we'd put it on the back of the car, we'd have them sign some paper and we'd be out the door. Well, a necessary component of a demo drive, a test drive, is having a dealer plate on the back. So I knew if there was a salesperson anywhere close to me, if I would hide his dealer plate when he wasn't looking, he wouldn't be able to service that customer. He's, his mental state would be all messed up. He'd be way off base with what he was doing. I knew that mentally, I was either more cunning, more strong, or more manipulative than most of the people in the dealership. You see, for me, it was always easier to ask for forgiveness than it was to ask for permission. So if somebody would mess with me and steal my dealer plate, I'd have the customer sign all the paperwork. I'd walk out to the car. I'd put them in it. They'd have no idea if there's a plate on the back or not. Just no clue. Like, get in, we're taking a ride. And I actually was the type of guy, I would hop in the driver's seat first and have you ride passenger. Because I knew when you were holding the steering wheel, you couldn't really take in everything I was saying. But if I was driving, I could slam on the brakes and make you feel how great they were, even if they weren't. Like, as a passenger, everything's heightened. That's a whole other sales methodology we can get into in another episode. It just was something that I was so good at and so passionate with. But instead of being that engine and training people and helping people, I was doing everything in my power to hold people back. 
And I was doing that because I was insecure. Like I was afraid that I would lose preferential treatment in the dealership if another salesperson beat my numbers. So of course, there's path A, which would be make more phone calls, talk to more customers, go to more networking, close more deals, work harder than everybody else. In some capacities, I probably did that. I certainly put in the hours. The carpet is the only business in the world that I know that you can show up for 10 hours a day and do absolutely nothing. You can literally sit at your desk, wait for someone to come on the lot, decide by looking through the window that they don't look like they can afford to buy a car, and you can sit there and have somebody else go talk to them. That's what the car business is. Instead of training and helping people, moving people forward, I did everything I could to make sure that they were thought of in the darkest light possible. I'm not necessarily proud of that. Let me rephrase that. As I look back at my life at the initial part of my professional career, I'm truly ashamed of that. Like the gentleman that got me the job at that dealership ended up getting fired. Partially, uh, with the way that I view the world, it was his fault, but I didn't have to shine a light on it the way that the light was shined. You know, we used to take exotic cars, like this was a, a little dealership in Mansfield, so they didn't have truly exotic cars, but they had Superformance kit cars, like a Noble M400 and uh, Superformance Cobra and, and Daytona, and just like kit cars with big engines. And we would take them to car shows. One of the things was we were allowed to basically drive the car directly from the dealership to the place or the event and then drive it right home, like drive it back to the dealership. Well, this individual decided to take it for a joyride. And when asked, it was easy for me to hop in the bus, throw it in reverse, and run them over. It's crazy to me. I certainly didn't need to cover for him. And I would never suggest I should have lied, which even back then, lying, as I've shared, wasn't exactly my, uh, I wasn't afraid to lie. I'll put it to you that way. But in this situation, I was given the opportunity to protect him or save him or call him first and allow him to handle the situation or run him over with a bus, and I chose the bus. I was the epitome of an anchor in that environment. Fast forward into the web hosting world, into the world that I've had, again, a little bit more success in, at least financially. When I got hired on, there was one other individual that also handled sales. His name was Steve. Steve is unfortunately no longer with us. Steve has passed away sometime last year. And in that environment, those old habits were still very prevalent. Like I was super quick to make sure that as I was signing up new customers, signing up new affiliates, structuring new deals, pushing forward in the tough times, everybody there knew that it was me that was doing it. Again, based off deep-rooted insecurity. What's crazy is I knew 0% of the technical part of onboarding a customer. Sure, I knew the jargon. I knew what to say to the right people in the company. I might have even acted, no, scratch that, I certainly acted like I knew what I was doing. But behind the scenes, if it wasn't for Steve and his ability to actually manage our systems and pay attention to the details, all the affiliates, all the clients I would have signed up would have never went anywhere. He was the one that made it all happen. I was the one that took all the accolades. And just 
Steve was the nicest guy in the world. Steve was somebody that taught me parts of the business when I first sat there for the first month when nobody else was around. Steve was a phenomenal man that I never gave credit to. I actually did everything I could to make sure that I looked like I was better than him in every situation. Now, there's two situations where I'm literally the boat anchor. Like, I'm holding those people around me back. If you're a longtime listener, you know I held every relationship I ever had back. I was fortunate to date some incredible women. Not only in looks, but in quality of personality, quality of what makes them tick. Like, I, I had a great run with really kind, genuine people. And in every relationship, I got to a point where I realized that I wasn't fulfilled, that there was something that I was missing. And I may have tiptoed around and had the conversation with that person I was dating, whoever it was at the time. But I got to a point where I didn't share all of how I was feeling. Just enough. And it really wasn't enough. It was just enough to get rid of some of my guilt and some of my shame. And so then I would go find someone else. Not break up with the first person. Of course not. That would be way too easy. That would be being an engine. Instead, I'm going to be an anchor. I'm going to attach that person to a pole, essentially. Put a shackle around their ankle. I'm going to go out and live my life and find somebody new. And they're going to think I'm their one and only. And I'm going to hold their, I'm basically holding them in place until I decide what I want to do. Fortunately for me, to the best of my knowledge and understanding, every person that I've dated, the next person that they dated, they ended up getting married to. Give or take, plus or minus. So not only did they find out that I was a complete jackass, did they break free from the anchor that I'd attached to their ankle, but they went ahead and excelled and became better versions of themselves in lieu of me. Again, doesn't make me a good person. Just means I didn't eternally damn them to having this anchor on their ankle. Okay, so I've shared with you three easy examples of how I was an anchor, how I held everybody back around me. But now there's this different time. Like, now I get to be an engine. Like, now I get to propel people to see the possibility of where they are at today versus where they want to hopefully get to. That's what this podcast ends up being. I get to be an engine for you, hopefully every day. If you've listened to more than one episode, I'm truly honored that I've got to share at least 30 minutes with you of being an engine. When I say being an engine, I'm sharing all these dirty, dark stories, the, the painful things of my past, the pits of despair that I've went through. I share them to show that you, to show you the possibility that if you're going through a comparable situation, there's a way to ascend out of the pit and start to live to be a better version of yourself. Because in the darkness of that pit, in the darkness of my soul, in the darkness of those days where I was lying to everybody, cheating, manipulating, being an anchor in every possible component of my life, I didn't realize there was a way to act and operate that was better. Sure, at a, at a subconscious level, I knew there was. I didn't have a roadmap. I didn't have someone I could sit down and tell, like, look, I'm doing all these horrible things, and I don't really know how to stop because like, I'm going broke, I don't really have somebody I can call and say like, hey, Mayday, all the money I have is gone and I've been just an idiot. And I don't have that because I've isolated myself. I didn't know about people that could mentor you or help you in, in that capacity. I didn't realize there were people that truly wanted to be an engine for a living. I didn't think that shit existed. 
But it does. Just like right now. I share these experiences. I share the stories. I share the stuff of Wake Up Warrior, which is Gare J. White's, I'll call it movement, that we're, you know, men from almost every continent have bought a book or been a part of this movement that's changing the way that we view the world. I get to be a part of it and share this, what I call or we call the doctrine of the warrior's way. I get to take the pieces and parts of living by code, which is basically stop lying, be real, raw, relevant, and committed to ruthless results, ruthlessly committed to results. I get to take pieces of something called the core four, which is body, being, balance, and business. I get to operate inside the general's tent where I map out my week and propel myself forward. I get to date my daughter and date my wife and date myself and date my family. I get to do all these crazy things every week. And I get to share them with you. I can't make you do something with them. That's the joy and pain of being an engine. You can put an engine in a car, right? You can set it in there. But if it's not tied to the accelerator and there's not a transmission and someone's not sitting in the car to drive it forward, the engine just sits there. Where an anchor, you literally just drop it out back of the boat. It hits the bottom of the, you know, the lake or the ocean floor and that boat doesn't go anywhere. It's pretty simple. So in being this engine, I get to share this powerful information with you, share my life experiences, share my shortcomings and my downfalls to show you there's a possibility to get from where you're at today to where you want to get to. But the key component of this is you. Like you have to be willing to switch in your life from being an anchor to being an engine. You have to eventually become open to the possibility there's a greater way to live your life than you're living it today. You've now heard my story, at least a Reader's Digest version. Even if this is your first episode ever, you realize that I was a liar, a cheater, I've been broke. Throw in there, I've used anabolic steroids for 14 years. list is pretty long. But I made a choice and a decision to find someone to help me stop doing that and then to hold me accountable to living a better life. I found an engine. I found an engine, then I got the gas can and filled it up with gas, and then I sat in the driver's seat and pulled the transmission to drive. Then I took my right foot and floored it and have never looked back. Hence why I'm an engine now. Because I want the same for you. Like, that's what this is. That's what this 15 minutes of podcast story is. I'm so incredibly blessed to get 10, 15, 20, 50, 150 emails or messages a day from you saying that something I said matters. You thought that you were the only one. You thought that you were alone. Thank you for sharing the truth. Thank you for being so real. Thank you for being so raw. None of this is by chance. Nothing happens on accident. I didn't go through all the dumb shit that I went through, make all the dumbass decisions that I made to then sit there and repeat them over and over again and not empower someone else to not have to make the same decisions. Everything I've done up to this point in my life has led me to the point of being able to help other people not do the same thing. This podcast is just a start. So as I'm sharing this with you, I'm going to ask, where in your life are you being an anchor when you should be an engine? For me, the easiest one was in a relationship. Like, where are you holding on to a relationship that you know doesn't serve you, that doesn't serve the person in the relationship, but you're too chicken shit to let them go. 
It could be a friend. It could be a partner. It could be a girlfriend, a boyfriend. It could be your freaking parents. But until you're willing to be an engine and push them from behind and say, go flourish, you're ultimately being an anchor. Maybe the place you're being an anchor versus an engine is inside the working world, inside your professional career. Where instead of helping those people around you level up their, op- their level of operation by leveling up their skill set, by making them all better so the team gets better and you get better, you're doing what I used to do and making everybody's life miserable. You're being an idiot when you come into work. You're talking down to people. You're not sharing information. That's an easy switch. That's just a mindset switch and then try to be a team player. And actually try doesn't exist. Be a team player. Or potentially it's in your body. And body's a weird one. Like where, where could you be an anchor versus an engine in your body? Well, for me, I was my own worst enemy, just like you might be. I would convince myself I wanted this grandiose goal of being a professional bodybuilder when admittedly I didn't really ever care about that. I didn't have the genetic structure. I didn't have the wherewithal. I didn't have the dedication. I had a story. I had a story that didn't serve me. Just like your story might not be serving you. So the minute I eliminated that story, I became an engine propelling myself forward to a level that's unrecognizable to the old me. No different than you could do. And what I found time and time again is when you cut the rope on that anchor and you become a full-time engine, you're able to get shit done. 